Hello again and thanks for joining us for another episode of Radcast. Today we're going to be talking to Dr Samita Chawla, who's a consultant radiologist at Aintree University Hospital, with a special interest in GI and trauma imaging, and who's also the training programme director for the Mergy School of Radiology. So thank you for taking the time to speak to us today. A few things we're hoping to cover over the next half an hour include workforce planning issues, the introduction of an academy in the Northwest, and your experiences of radiology in developing countries. Now the radiology workforce crisis has been well publicised and we know that there is a drive to increase the number of radiology trainees. What challenges does this pose to you as training programme director? Radiology has evolved rapidly in a very short period of time, putting pressure on all members of the radiology department. What I think is what the majority of the radiologists think. Too much work, not enough time, but we have a duty of care to the NHS. The demand to provide satisfactory teaching and training to the trainees in accordance with the RCR curriculum has been hugely difficult and to a certain extent mission impossible. The effect has been mostly on, it's been pressured on to us to increase the national training numbers and this has not been given as a choice, this has been given as an automatic thing to all the schools of radiology throughout the country. Right. As a result of that I've had to restructure the training programme in a number of ways. For example, we have now changed for the ST3s, we've changed the blocks from the three months to two months for older hay, for Liverpool heart and chest. And most recently, we've now removed the current second years going into third years for being on call in that time period. What's happened is previously it used to be three months and they used to get more time, more exposure. So in order to compensate that, we're bringing it into two months blocks, taking off the on-call and also now going to be within Accordancy Academy, going to have like a week block where you're going to have intense teaching of paediatrics, cardiac imaging, chest imaging, breast imaging, interventional radiology. So that's one way which we are trying to cope with that increased demand and pressures. So do you think that will balance out the fact we have less time but now we're off the on-call road and we have that extra intensive teaching? Do you think it will even out and it will be the same as having done three months? Yeah, I think most yeah. definitely will. What we have seen in this year that when the trainees have been just been doing the two months with doing the on-call, mm-hmm. they've actually managed quite well, but they do feel that the competencies and core skills, that they could achieve it to a higher standard. And also they could get more practice in doing projects and getting involved in finishing off case, you know, case studies, publications, audits. So in terms of um, the... You, the, you mentioned the, uh, like the national targets for training numbers. Are they? Are you told that they're going to increase kind of year on year? Are you given any specific numbers, or is it just kind of a ballpark? So there's an, each year the whole um, college is increasing the number of tra- national training numbers throughout the, all schools. But what they do is try to increase one or two numbers in each school to make it evenly distributed. So it is not a choice as such; it's automatically given. Where the only bit where the choice does lie is there is a bit of flexibility. I think with now with Liverpool and Manchester merging as a Northwest Radiology School, that for example we can say if we do, if I've got a space in Liverpool, then I can relieve the pressure on a Manchester school. Can you foresee? A problem arising where now you're going to have the number of trainees increasing faster than the number of consultants. So the consultant to trainee ratio is going to be um, quite low. It's already happened. So right. in a, certain hospitals across Liverpool and Manchester, 
there are places where there is more trainees than the number of consultants so that's already pressure and demand has already happened and what I've had to do is already take trainees out of that hospital and restructure them and remove those trainees and move them to another hospital right, but the okay. problem is it's only a temporary solution but the aim is that in over the next course of the next couple of years by the time we've increased because we're increasing the number of training numbers that you'll get more trainees coming out and then they will be able to compensate that there's no short-term solution really is there there's no short-term solution the, the short-term solutions are is basically to restructure the training program which we are which i've already tried to do and also with the with the introduction of the academy that is also where the restructuring and the change will happen uh, do you think maybe one solution to the um trainee trainer ratio problem is maybe having reporting radiographers training radiologists so that could be one option and I think to a certain degree reporting radiographers are a value and asset to any radiology department and they're an asset to teaching trainees. Um, there's got to be under the right conditions. There's a lot of reporting radiographers who have done MSCs and I know that yeah. I've done that and guided uh, re reporting radiographers and what happens is that they have done teaching modules, they've done MSCs in how to report chest x-rays or peripheral x-rays so they could report uh, they could teach um, trainees and train them. The only problem does arise is they do not replace the consultant trainer. They haven't got rules and regulations in with the GMC to abide to. Right. So it doesn't take that away, but they can help to uh, develop the skill mix and um, ease the pressure on consultants and departments. So I know where I'm working at the moment at Chester, um, there are a few reporting radiographers that, that check our x-rays, and I found that really helpful because... To start with, they're quite competent and they probably report a larger volume of pain films than a lot of the consultants do. But then they also give you an insight from a radiographer's perspective so they can tell you why a particular thing looks the way it does based on the way it was acquired. And so you don't necessarily get that insight from the consultant. So I found it quite helpful. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's totally agreeable. Yeah. And I think that's the same thing when you have with ultrasound and you have the sonographers. Yeah, so mm. we have the same thing. So I know that when I was a trainee, that we, at that point, that we did uh, the uh, the RPA system that we have for assessments for ultrasound started. So being trained by sonographers and being trained by consultants is different. And in effect, it's good to get the skills mixed and learn from both sides. So that works with ra radi reporting radiographers as well. Okay, so now you've touched upon it already, but... Um, we know that there's a new academy style of training that's been introduced in an attempt to increase the number of radiologists and as you said the Northwest will be getting its very own academy I believe from August so can you tell us a bit about this? Yep so from August um, we have this we have the Northwest School of Radiology Academy starting it's been a very quick process of getting all set up so I think there will be there has been that issue with the fact that when we put the application pro uh, in only in January, February this year, we heard within a month, which we were very lucky in to be successful in that, but also the process of getting it up and running yeah. is not enough time, but it will be done. It does seem to be quite a big undertaking in quite a small amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I think we've been quite lucky with the academy development because one, we are been, uh, we've been given the funding for it. To a certain extent, we have already got 
the material and the tutors behind us all to already to get this up and running. We have experiences from academies through the country, so we are basically be able to take the best things from those academies. So for example, our academy is going to be starting off with the ST1s will be four months based in the academy and eight months in the place uh, placed in hospitals, different to other academies in the country where a lot of trainees spend the whole year in the academy or nine months in the academy and only three months in hospital. So okay. we are taking the best of that so they will get better exposure to both styles of teaching. And how many trainees will you be able to accommodate in a normal academy year compared to a standard year, non-academy year? So we have got 30 Liverpool and Manchester trainees who will be in the academy starting August. And we have also agreed to taking on the North, West, uh, North Wales trainees. So we will be taking those on. So that will be an additional two. So it's quite a large, quite large year, number. Yeah, large cohort. We could actually increase it up to 40 in an academy style. That is possible, but obviously the only problem is that we have, to, in order to provide that many placements in the hospital, is the difficulty. So we're aiming round about, we'd say, 30 to 35, so that would um, be equal for the hospital placements. How did you arrive at the decision to go down the academy route? That's become as a lot because of the pressure on the department. So as we've said that one of the issues has been there's in a lot of places there's more trainees and consultants, and consultants aren't able to equally and spend time on their time on all trainees of all years so the aim is basically to relieve the pressure to consultants um, to spend more, spend less time with the ST1s and to give more time to spend with STs in other years and then by the time they come and spend more time in their ST in their placement part of their ST1 in subsequent years they would have had uh, senior trainees or have more consultants and they would have done background teaching as well. Um, do you think there are any drawbacks to the academy style of teaching? There's drawbacks to everything, I think, in life. So the biggest drawbacks, I think, will be, I think, one of the biggest pressures at the moment will be the time in order to get everything up and running for August. Financially, we've actually been very lucky because we're fully supported. So the financial, um, there isn't actually any financial constraints. But there is resistance, obviously. There's the fear of the unknown. You don't know what's going to happen. It's a new style of teaching. It's never been done in Liverpool or Manchester before. How will trainees find it? There has been a bit of resistance from trainees who have just been accepted, uh, who received their radiology numbers this year, who were starting in August because I think they were a lot. They were initially confused that they had now. Uh, they thought they were coming to a traditional style of radiology training, and that they now they're st joining the academy. And a lot of them have said, "Well, why did we? If we would have known, we would have applied to other schools of radiology in the country if we knew it was an academy style." But we have reassured them and they are happy with the reassurance that this is going to be different, that it's only going to be four months in the academy and eight months in the hospital. And the subsequent years for all trainees is going to stay exactly the same. So they will spend all their time in the hospital, but they will be having additional training. For example, you'll have like a week of cardiac imaging, a week of IR teaching. You will have a breast uh, program. So there will be all of So in effect, you're getting additional teaching in the other years. Um, do you know of any other academies that are going to be opening? Yeah, so um, the Welsh Academy that has just opened or is going to be opening in August, around about August, September of this year. 
other academies already up and running are the Leeds Academy, Plymouth, Norwich. So they've all they've all got different styles of their way of their programme and you know there's good things and bad things from all academy styles and I think a little bit is that you you know every it depends what works best and there will be teething issues that you will find even with our academy but over time I'm sure they will be resolved. Do you think that academy style training is going to become the standard across the board in this country for radiology? Most likely yes because we're already seeing that there's maybe about in process maybe about eight or ten academies in the country or up and running and the ideas have become very popular. There was a recent meeting I went to at the college in uh, the beginning of May and it was just an academy meeting and how more and more people are applying for academies. For example, in the East Midlands area, so Birmingham is a traditional school, but then they have the uh, Nottingham and Leicester, and they're trying to devise academies within that and to have a Nottingham Academy, a Leicester Academy, a Derby Academy, a Stoke Academy. So, so they are going to devise that. And that also helps um, all the hospitals, the smaller DGH hospitals in the peripheral areas. So those hospitals that trainees were never exposed to with the development of the academy they can start going to those hospitals and that in the long term helps to promote jobs in those areas when the trainees finish and to take up consultant jobs. Have the first set of the academy cohort done their 2Bs and they working as consultants now or is there any difference in how they perform so the um, there's already been uh, for it's been going on for a number of years. So Norwich and Leeds and Plymouth were the uh, were the initial academies, and they've already gone through the process of people from my cohort of years who have already gone through the process of the academy style teaching, and they have been successful. Um, good and bad. I think it's whatever style you you are taught in so if you've been taught in an academy style you wouldn't know any other way different so it's nothing to really compare or contrast against so you adapt to whatever style you're going to be taught to to a certain extent people who have come out of academies they have said that they do feel a little bit that they have spent too much time in the academy and not enough time in placements that is why we have devised our academy to be more in placements and less not to spend the whole time in the academy to feel like you're in a classroom so i think that will be where the major difference has been and i think with the only drawback that has been with a few places where it's totally academy styles there's a lot more people who are doing and not only a single fellowship who are doing double fellowships because they feel their lack of clinic exposure to whether it's uh, working in an actually sitting and doing an MDT rather than doing an MDT remotely okay. there is a difference that's very interesting um, so another point we wanted to touch upon are the implications of the, of the recent changes to the RCR curriculum specifically the move away from a modular 2A exam to a single exam um, what are your thoughts on this so I actually think the idea, the, the new uh, 2A synoptic exam is a really good idea. I think that relieves pressures on trainees that they don't feel like they're constantly doing exams. Radiology as a speciality is very different to other specialities because you come in as a radiology registrar and in effect you're doing exams for four or five years constantly with the new synoptic 2A exam that you have time in your second year where you are not sitting any exams and you have more time to spend in the hospitals not thinking that you've got to go home and revise for eight hours on an end night after night where with the uh, modules you'd be doing two or three modules per sitting and it takes up the next two years so you're spending time for exams and only kind of six weeks or eight weeks actually 
being very involved in not only the clinical work or whether it's projects that you want to be involved in. So I think this is good and also it gives you time to have exposure to all the specialities before you do your 2A exam. So for now we have the majority of people who are doing their 2A exams in December or third year would have had all exposure to their core specialities whether it's paediatrics or breast or IR or nuclear medicine. Then There probably will be some trainees who don't have that full exposure by the time they sit it but you know majorities we're saying around about 80% would have done so that does help. Has the new exam format had any implications on how you structure training in ST2 and ST3 or what you expect from trainees in ST2 when they don't have an exam to prepare for that year? Um, yes and no so the way the structure of the ST2 program has been similar but we are going to be changing for example how you've got an ST3 you've got the paediatrics and neuro and chest and cardiac imaging what we're in the process of devising is like a breast module program so basically there'll be a breast teaching program that's in accordance with the Manchester Breast and National Breast Academy and that would be something that would be devised in ST2 year so there are changes to kind of fit in with the 2A exam um, but to a certain extent it hasn't changed much because you still need to get your general competencies so you will still be doing your on-call you'll still be doing your you know inpatient CT list inpatient MR list ultrasound competencies so you will have that still there would you expect us to do more extracurricular things um, in those years audits and research and stuff like that podcasts podcasts <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think to be honest with you I think it is better to have an even distribution and I think trainees who are interested in doing extra radiology um, activities will always do it no matter what is the way it's time framed I do think that if you on the same hand if you dedicate all of your second year to doing that then you're not got time to revise for such a big exam so you can't do that either the time the way it's done now is that you do your exam in third year that it's more of a steady rather than just trying to learn everything in a space of two months so to a certain, so I wouldn't say that you can just now spend your whole of second year doing projects no I think you need to still be you know making it even and you should be doing projects and activities relating to radiology kind of throughout you need to have a balance throughout your five six years of radiology training so i take it that you would have preferred the new style the single exam would i have preferred it um i don't mind i think it's what i've had to have done isn't it so i've had to do the 2a module exam so it was never given as a choice so i think it's a bit difficult to say you do what you have to do but you know yes I think probably seeing the way having done the module exam doing just one single 2A exam would have been better but the modules was fine as well so I think that the thing the thing is over the years of course the training and the structure has changed so much and the demands in the hospital have changed and also the on-course system has changed so that has changed the way you sit your exams and revise for your exams as well. Do they still expect you to know as um fine detail as you would in the modules in the single exam yes yes so you're still expected to know as much and as in that much detail because at the end of the day it's the same questions it's the same style it's just that you have it over a course of two papers in okay. one day so you're dealing with a lot more pressure in one day so there's no difference in what you learn the level of what you're expected to learn the curriculum's the same the questions are the same you know medicine is medicine so there's variation around the country about how radiology training is delivered and in some regions they do subspecialty blocks from ST1 whereas in others such as here you mainly general until you start ST4 
What do you think are the relative merits of each approach? So in my opinion, if I was able to restructure the whole programme, I think um, doing the blocks would be a much better system than doing just a general radiology rotation. The reason why I can't do it is because there's not enough facilities across all the hospitals in Liverpool and Manchester to provide uh, to provide that level of training for all trainees and to get their competencies with that. I think the idea about the blocks works well because you can spend all your efforts during a two-month or three-month block learning that to a much greater depth and detail and you know whether you're reading from the textbooks and then going in every day then rather than just doing general and only one day a week of for example of GI um, sessions so I think the blocks would be much better but the problem with that with doing the blocks is how do you devise the problem of solving annual leave study leave you know other things that you need to do the on-call so if you start doing that you can't not have your exposure to on-calls if you're going to do blocks each time the argument could be is that during that time I don't want to do on-calls but then you lose your on-call experience so it's trying to achieve that balance but I think what happens by doing the blocks it also gives you an idea of if there's specialities you've not considered or specialities you've not thought about once you have that exposure then you can actually say well I like this or I don't like this if you've never been exposed to it how do you know that's very true. Um, so now let's move on to something a, a bit lighter. Um, we know you've had the opportunity to experience radiology abroad. And in fact, when we were doing our research for this podcast, we came across an article that you'd written for the RCR newsletter about your experiences. Where have you been and what did you get up to whilst you were there? So I've kind of been interested in education, even as a trainee. So I was quite interested in teaching abroad. So I, just before I became a consultant, I actually went to Ghana, West Africa and I went and taught um, ultrasound and plain film teaching in two D- in district general hospitals, which was in the middle of nowhere with minimal facilities, and it was absolutely great. It was great to be put under that pressure, being exposed to all of this different stuff, to be teaching radiologists and allied medical professionals all different, in effect, the basic skills of life to a certain extent. So that was a very different experience to what experience I had a few years ago, which was in India when I was teaching in a big tertiary centre and that was something which was um, done through the college and had got the Prafula Ganguly professorship and that was to teach uh, trauma radiology and also to set up a trauma MDT uh, meeting similar to the style we have here in the major trauma centre. So just going back to your trip to Ghana Mm -hmm. and what sort of facilities did they have? So presumably plain films they would have had they had like digital radiography and they had um they had ultrasound machine so where i was so that was literally they that was the only thing they had there they had no ct scanners no mri scanners so it was in that's what it was very different it was in very small hospitals and it was learning to that you had had to give your answer to, or you know you'd have to teach these doctors and radiologists how to manage with minimal facilities and also it, it also depends upon the population you're serving a lot of those uh, patients who came in they weren't able to afford treatment and even for them to have an ultrasound scan or having plain film um, was enough as much as they could afford did and you they had to make those diagnoses based upon those limitations yeah so did you find that because they had fewer resources their clinical skills are actually better than ours because they didn't have to rely on imaging I think it was variation. I think it varies again, a person to person, and on the on the individual doctors. Okay. I think some people's clinical skills were better, but some people's was you okay. know, they were still reliant heavily on imaging. 
what opportunities are there for people to get involved in similar projects if they want to? I think there's a lot more opportunities. There's a, been there's been a lot more in the last four or five years. Um, there's a lot more in terms of the Royal College of Radiologists has really pushed it to we've got the International Global Health Day they've developed a whole um, part of the college website to international training fellowships and ideas and projects that we also ha- we're quite lucky I think and now in Liverpool it's becoming very popular and there's a lot of people who have got contacts including myself who you know met people out in India and Africa and who are able to give people uh, trainees opportunities to go out there and do that if they're interested also we've got the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine there's a lot of links um, to Africa and to South America with that there's the Medicine Sans Frontiers it's, you've kind of got to go out there yeah. and if you go and look you will find a kind of approach, if you're interested in doing it you can do it, I do think it's something that should be done towards the end of your training when you have the expertise and you've got your fellowship I don't think it's something so much of value in your early years also it depends upon how much time you're willing to give up if it's something you only want to do for a couple of weeks or whether you want to go out there for six months or take some time out after you've finished your training and to kind of really you know make an impact on a bigger scale would you go again yes most definitely most definitely there is a plan to go again um i think possibly one of the places i've been looking at is to maybe go to waterborne areas so maybe afghanistan or syria um, or the other possibility was looking at uh, looking at Tanzania. So I know some friends from London who went to Tanzania and they were out there for six months and they set up uh, an ultrasound clinic. It was kind of a one-stop clinic for breast lumps. So, th- um, so something along those lines. But it, for me, I think it would be something I would have to stick to doing for a short-term project for a couple of weeks rather than going out there for six months. Right, uh, just before we end, we'd like to discuss something that's quite topical at the moment. Um, There's a lot of conversation about gender equality in the workplace, and more recently a study looking at the composition of uh, board of directors on all FTSE 250 companies found that women are still underrepresented in managerial positions. Do you feel that this is true of the NHS? Uh, Most definitely. Although there has been major development and opportunities for all genders in the NHS, unfortunately women are still behind. I think that is not just because of the way the NHS is. I think women also have a responsibility. I think there is a degree of lack of interest from women to take on empowering roles, whether it's because of the demand and the time it requires. I think opportunities can be limited for women, but on the same hand, they are there if you want to take them and you kind of got to grab them when they come along. And I think you have to have the right people with you at the right time, whether it's the personal or professional front. I think the other problem right, lies that a lot of women in their 30s take out time, career breaks, whether it's to have children, whether they're going to be going part-time, and then they miss out on those opportunities at a key time when, you know, there are jobs in, you know, kind of whether it's being a programme director or whether it's uh, being a clinical director. So it's that time period of being there at the right time. There's also that picture that men are more willing to take on extra work, extra burden, whether it's, you know, even if it's doing extra lists and things and taking the opportunities to doing these extra curriculum things and then also to going on gaining clinical excellence awards. So I think women are kind of seen to a certain extent undervalued and they're not encouraged to strive forward. But I do feel, again, it is individual. If you want to do it, you will find the opportunities and you kind of got to go and make your interest known. It's like anything. If you're interested in doing a project, if nobody knows you're interested, well, how can that project come to you? 
I think from my perspective, I'm very fortunate. I work in a really good team of men and women who are very open-minded, they're very strategic, they're honest, and they take on board all ideas. I think we work very well together as a team and you know, we take the good things and bad things, you know, this suggestion, that suggestion, and that works quite well. And you know, we're prepared to push the boundaries to make it better in the realms of teaching for radiology. And to a certain extent as well, hard work pays off, whether it's a man or woman. So when you attend uh, regional and national meetings as your role as TPD, um, do you think that there's equal representation at these events? No, there is more men than women overall. But why that is, it also probably depends upon different opportunities in certain areas. There may there may be a bit of a geographical thing as, thing as well. I think a lot of people you meet from the London areas tend to be a lot more men than women. But it may be that there's more men in, in those hospitals. Maybe the opportunities are not there. I think also a lot of women are kind of seen as like, oh, they won't be interested. And therefore, when ideas come floating out, you know, they're not always, you know, brought forward to them. Um, specifically regarding radiology, how do you think as a specialty it fares in terms of equal opportunities? I think it is very progressive. I think radiology is a very good speciality for a man or for a woman and there are opportunities to excel. It depends. I think it's individual. I think if you want to excel as a woman in radiology, you can excel more than a man. And the same if I think it's a man who wants to excel in radiology, you can excel more than a woman. So there are equal opportunities available but it's a matter of whether whether you grab them and you know uh, work on it thanks dr chawler some very strong opinions there which is great okay one final question before we let you go that we like to ask all our guests is what would be your number one suggestion for how to address the image crisis in radiology how would i image i would put you on the spot here sorry. no 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 <laughs> um i would I'd, I'd, I'd be driving for the skills mix. I think we do not take use of the number of people within the radiology department. That would involve taking advantage of all the skills of the consultants, the trainees, the sonographers, the reporting radiographers, and the wider field within that. There's lots of roles which have developed over the years. For example, um, a lot of the reporting radiographers and sonographers are now doing masters, so they can be teaching uh, trainees the skills that they have learnt. There's also more scope for fluoroscopy screening radiographers, so they are quite involved with teaching all the fluoroscopy um, studies and also for the CT colons. Same with cardiac imaging, we have the specialist cardiac uh, radiographers with interventional uh, radiologies as interventional nurses and interventional um, assistants which can help the trainees in developing skills in uh, pick lines. So there's a number of ways where we can help evolve the skills mix and use those skills for enhancing um, trainees and also um, the wider circle within the radiology department and beyond. So essentially getting more people from varying backgrounds involved in radiology and engaging them that way. Yeah, using the different skills that they've already learned and to kind of take that to a step forward because it would give them the advantage of um, using their skills and to widen their teaching skills as well. That's a really interesting suggestion um, and one that doesn't immediately spring to mind So, and that's really the whole point of asking that question so thanks for that. Well thank you so much for joining us today Dr Chawler. Uh, that concludes another edition of Radcast so thank you for listening and we hope you'll join us again next month when we'll have another guest in the hot seat discussing issues that we feel are of interest to everyday radiologists. In the meantime be sure to check out our other podcasts on anchor.fm forward slash radcast. Bye. Bye.